Hi, this is episode 33 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have part one of chapter 12 of Absolute Zero by Helen Cresswell. Chapter 12 It was lucky for Mr. Bagthorpe that he had left for Tallboy's health farm just before the men came with the news about Zero. He himself believed, as he said later, that had he been present, he would certainly have had a seizure or become demented. "'My hold on sanity is already fragile,' he said, "'and would have snapped.' The rest of the Bagthorpes, who were present, were at first incredulous, and then, inevitably, consumed with envy. Rosie herself was delighted to begin with, especially as the men from Buried Bones Dog Food had brought with them her prize. Mrs. Bagthorpe was full of praise. "'Though I hope, Rosie,' she said, "'that you will not allow your interest in photography "'to take precedence over your portraits. "'Your portraits are truly creative and quite unique.' "'And anyone can take a photo,' added Tess. "'It emerged, however, that the Buried Bones men "'were interested not primarily in Rosie, but in her subject. "'Show us the dog,' they begged, "'once the congratulations were over. "'Is he real? Does he exist?' "'Fetch him, Jack.' said Mrs. Bagthorpe resignedly. Jack was pleased to escape. He had cringed when the Buried Bones men first fetched out huge blow-ups of Rosie's winning photographs. Tess and William had guffawed mercilessly, and the former shrieked. "'Wait till father sees them! Look at Uncle P. holding up that biscuit! Are you going to publish them? You're not!' Jack went slowly upstairs, wondering how this was going to affect Zero's confidence. He could already feel it affecting his own. "'It was a rotten thing to do to you, Zero, old chap,' he thought miserably. "'You'll be the laughing-stock of England, and it's my fault, mainly.' Zero was guarding Jack's comics in his room. He had gone on guarding them long after the necessity to do so had expired. He seemed to have got it into his head that they were valuable, and Jack could not convince him otherwise. In any case, he thought, it was probably a good thing for Zero to think he had an important responsibility, even if he had not. Jack sat on the edge of the bed and gave Zero a lot of patting and praising before he broke the news about the photographs. "'I didn't know Rosie was there, honestly,' he told him. "'It was a mean thing for her to do, but I'm in it as much as you are. We'll just have to stick together. Don't let it get your ears down.' At last, reluctantly, he descended, Zero trailing behind. Their reception was stunning. Instead of the derisory laughter and cutting personal remarks he had expected, Jack found that the Buried Bones men were almost beside themselves with enthusiasm. "'It's unbelievable!' yelled one. "'Get him outside! Let me take some shots!' shouted the other. A dazed Jack finally came to grasp that he had in zero something that the world had been waiting for for a long time. "'He's a gold mine, I tell you!' cried one. "'You're sure he's a mongrel?' inquired the other anxiously. "'He is unique.' "'He's that all right,' said William. "'Mutton-brained, pudding-footed hound.' He evidently felt entitled to use Mr. Bagthorpe's lines in his absence. Nobody could quite take in what was happening, least of all Zero himself. He kept edging up to Jack, practically sitting on his feet and giving him little nervous licks. Mrs. Fosdyke, disgusted, told the men, "'You wouldn't believe the wiping up I do after that animal, feet that size.' But they were not sympathetic. They gave her to understand that before long the world would be queuing up for the privilege of wiping Zero's footprints up. 
What finally convinced the Bagthorpes of the seriousness of the buried bones' intentions was when one of them suddenly clapped a hand to his head and yelled, "'My God! Insurance! Is he insured?' "'Is he what?' said William. "'I doubt if he's even got a license.' "'Quick, Phil!' urged the man with the camera. "'Get on to head office. Can we use the phone?' The Bagthorpes listened unashamedly while Phil got on to the head office and gave orders for Zero's immediate insurance. What really created a silence was the sum he put on Zero's head. Zero, apparently, was worth one hundred thousand pounds. Mrs. Fosdyke, who was listening along with everyone else, told her cronies later in the fiddler's arms, and it was evident from their reactions that they were not representative of the great British public confidently expected to become instant fanatical Zero worshippers. "'Great ugly thing that he is!' exclaimed Mrs. Bates. "'And footmarks all over everywhere!' "'I should think they'll find their mistake soon enough,' predicted Mrs. Pye sagely. "'Dogs in commercials is supposed to do what they're supposed to do, and that one never will.' "'I dare say,' said Mrs. Fosdyke, unsoothed. "'But what about the taxpayers' money? A hundred thousand pounds! "'That's ten times my late hubby, and at least he was human!' While Phil was discussing the finer points of the insurance, ten thousand for loss of limb, fifty thousand for an eye, and so on, Grandma descended into the hall. Hearing large sums of money being thus bandied about, she leaped to the conclusion that somebody was making wills. As Phil was winding up the conversation, she moved to the telephone and whisked it away from him. "'Just one moment,' she said. "'I wish to alter my will. Are you there? Are you there?' There followed much confusion." In the end, Grandma slammed down the phone, exclaiming, "'I shall not consult that solicitor again,' and went muttering into the kitchen in search of coffee. "'What are all these men doing here?' she asked, indicating the two buried bones men. "'I must have my hair reset before there are any more photographs. Where is Daisy? What have we won this time?' When she was eventually apprised of the situation, she tried at first to capitalize on it. "'The situation is becoming ludicrous,' she said. "'Too many competitions have been won. "'Daisy and I are becoming tired of the constant invasions of our privacy. "'We could, however, if you wished, offer your pet food to the dog. "'That way the dog would not be too much in evidence. "'He is, after all, a mongrel.' "'He's worth a hundred thousand pounds,' Jack told her immediately, "'fortified by the knowledge that he, at last, "'now had something concrete to put forward in Zero's favour. "'He's just been insured for that.' Grandma turned to Mrs. Bagthorpe. "'How much am I insured for?' she demanded. "'Not that I could be replaced.' Mrs. Bagthorpe was saved from replying by the advent of the happy family people, whose visit was expected but had been forgotten in the general turmoil. They could hardly have arrived at a less auspicious moment, the only wholeheartedly happy people present being Jack and the buried bones men, and the latter did not count.' Borderland Television was interested only in happy Bagthorpes. Fortunately, the Buried Bones men and the BTV pair got on very well to begin with, and there was much mutual congratulation between them on their fortunate discovery of the Bagthorpes. The whole family, in fact, overhearing themselves being discussed in this way, began to feel rather like newly upturned Buried Bones themselves. They began to wonder whether they had ever existed in their own right. "'They are exactly the kind of close-knit nuclear family we were hoping for,' enthused Sue. "'That dog,' said Buried Bones Man one solemnly, "'could only have been found in a family like this. 
We shall corner the market within weeks. Have you insured them? Insured whom? The borderland television pair looked blank. When the buried bones men explained, Sue and Jeremy immediately looked apprehensive. The seeds of doubt and fear had been sown. What if, buried bones too lowered his voice, something were to happen halfway through filming? He lowered his voice further. There's been a spot of fire and flood about lately, if you look around. If people are accident-prone, they're always having fires and floods. I think these people are accident-prone. Grandma overheard most of this by dint of moving right in on the group. In my opinion, she told Borderland Television, you should insure the entire family. I think a quarter of a million pounds would be a suitable sum. Oh, mother, exclaimed Mrs. Bagthorpe, don't be absurd. It is a question of self-respect, said Grandma, obstinately, and a sense of dignity and worth. If I felt myself to be worthless, I doubt if I could bring myself to look happy and contented for any film. There followed a series of telephone calls to and from Borderland Television, and the Bagthorpe family was duly insured. The week that followed was outstandingly awful, despite the absence of Mr. Bagthorpe. At times there were as many as forty people in the house, all ruthlessly pursuing their own business, and all, quite frequently, at cross-purposes. There were carpenters, plasterers, and decorators, all of whom wanted to get finished and have their bills paid before Christmas. There was a production team of twenty from Borderland Television, who were themselves inexorably committed to producing a finished film for Christmas Day. And there was a team from Buried Bones, who were hell-bent on a commercial out in time for the big Christmas viewing audiences. And that's the end of Part 1 of Chapter 12. See you next time.